Hey everyone, this is Patrick with the 307 RPG Podcast, and I just want to take a moment and say thank you to all of our amazing patrons. It's because of you that we're able to do the things that we do. If you like our show and you want to support us, you can find us on patreon.com slash theforgeherald. Thanks everyone, I hope you enjoy the show. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the 307 RPG Podcast. I'm Patrick. I'm Nolan. It's weird. I'm reading the show notes and I almost said I'm Nolan. And I thought, well, that'd just be weird. That'll happen sometimes. Yeah, it's called reading way too much stuff the last few days and having to recite it. But anyway, uh, Nolan, what's new with you? What's going on in your world of gaming? Are you playing anything fun right now? Not like right now and right now, but you may be. I don't know. Sometimes I do, but I am not right now, right now. Uh, No, you know, uh, I've been playing that Spellbreak game a little bit more just because it's a quick and easy battle royal. I can get like three games in and, you know, 30 minutes. So that's kind of nice for just pick up and play. Um, I am sitting down a very little bit and starting to play Witcher 3, which has been fun and a learning curve just because I have not played a game like that in so long. It feels weird. So that's been fun. But other than that, uh, getting ready for D&D characters has been the big focus this weekend. Yes, absolutely. And of course, Nolan has yet to decide what he's going to be playing in our new campaign. I, that's OK, it, man. And I, oh, no the kidding. best thing I will say is um, so I am playing a gnome. I've never played a short person before. And I don't mean that like, yeah, I don't do short people. I mean, that's just is what it is. I have a hard time getting especially when you look at like some of the insults, you know, like a common name for like, if you want to insult like a halfling or a dwarf or a a gnome, as you call them sniffers, because they're right at butt level on human people. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) So some of that stuff was kind of bothering, but coming up with a name for the gnome was the longest process I've ever put into a name just because they have... The longer the name, the happier they are. There's a reason for it. Um, so my character's name is Rin Tong Tackle, Eldon Waywalket Elberin. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so and the story is is my name's Rin. Tong Tackle was my father I never knew. Eldon was the father that raised me. Waywalket was my mother, and Elberin is my surname. Uh but because all that stuff is hard to admit, now I'm at the tough part because everybody just, well, most gnomes have a nickname and that's just what they go by. So I'm trying to come up with a nickname, but he does have an official name. He is on paper, but Rin Tong Tackle, uh, basically it said, you know, the more fun it is to say, the longer it is, the better you're doing. So that's awesome. I love it. Um, for me, my weekend has been absolutely consumed by musical rehearsal. We're getting down to crunch time, so we've been putting in a lot of extra work for that. I've also been kind of cued into the Jonesboro Open for the uh, Professional Disc Golfer Association tournament. My boy Paul Macbeth lost the tournament. Wow, he didn't close it out, huh? No, you know, he goes into it leading in the last round. Uh, apparently there was only three rounds. I'm I'm used to, you know, playing on Sunday too, but I guess yesterday was the last round. And he loses to Calvin Heinberg, who's a fantastic player, by one stroke. Nice, that would have been a fun ending to watch. Yeah, it would have. Uh, it looks like Calvin shot a negative 12, where Paul shot a negative 8. Uh, you know, 
I got to say, you know, for Paul Macbeth, as they, as they get to the point where they're rounding out the season and coming into the U.S. Disc Golf Championship, uh, which will be the end of this season. And I know it's been a weird season with coronavirus, but, you know, he has been the only pro to be in the top five consistently every tournament. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, he's really good. And he's so much fun to watch. I love watching him hit those 100-foot putts that you're just like, how did he just do that? Bends it around the trees and over the hills and into the basket. <laughs> So much fun. All right. But anyway, that's disc golf. And that's not the point of this show. We are talking about games and we're going to take a sidestep here away from RPGs and talk about MMOs, most specifically World of Warcraft, because there was a big announcement that was made this week uh, on Thursday, if I remember correctly, uh, regarding the new expansion Shadowlands and the fact that the announcement is that this game is being delayed. Now, Nolan and I have talked about this to a great extent. I don't play World of Warcraft anymore. Nolan plays it a, quite a bit. I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday who happens to be a patron supporter of our show. Uh, she still plays the game regularly and just adores the game. And she was telling me that she's okay with this delay. She's very much okay with it because she would much rather than put out a game that's correct than having tons and tons of uh, issues. So I know the pre-expansion patch is going on like uh, in a couple weeks, I think it is like October 19th. 13th. I think I saw, I can't remember exactly 13th. There you go. Um, and I do have a, a link to the show or to the pre pre-expansion patch information, but Nolan, you know a lot more about this than I do. So why don't you talk about it? I'm, I'm in the same boat as far as, and I think a lot of people were as well of anybody that's played the beta, played the alpha. It's not there yet. Um, they've got a lot of things that need tuning and balancing. There's a lot of things that are still broken. There's classes that are so overtuned, um, but fun to play. There are classes that are so undertuned that fun to play. And then there are classes that are just unplayable because half of their abilities don't work. Um, half their covenants, which is a new thing coming out, don't work. So it, it needed it. Uh, and, I, and I think this is the first time I've seen them miss a deadline. And usually they just push through. So I think that was more of where I was shocked was I can't believe they're doing the right thing by the player base by trying to release a finished product versus just pump it out and grab money and we'll fix it. And this is as somebody who's I play every expansion I play every year. I get the collector's editions. I, I, I really enjoy this game. It's the way I stay in contact with a lot of friends that I've have moved away over the years. Um, but I've also played a lot of characters that, uh, this last round, uh, my shaman was unplayable from an enhancement standpoint because it just wasn't very fun. It didn't do a lot for me. A lot of its features didn't work. I played a monk uh, for the second tail end of the season, and one of their major DPS cooldowns, they summon a spirit, earth, and lightning image of themselves that's supposed to do damage, and sometimes they just run off to the other end of the dungeon, and it's like, it's actually it's actually Oops. costing me damage to press my dps cooldown and they never did get a fix for it uh so th th those type of things where it's like well we'll look into it the next patch we'll look into the next patch and there's some classes that went the entire expansion of never getting touched i started with a rogue they were really good in the first raid there was one fight that you were able to stack them and because of the way they funnel into a boss it altered the way blizzard wanted the mechanic done they fixed it to a point where it became no longer playable and never got touched over the other the course of the years after that first uh, expansion so it's one of those things of usually it's well you got two other specs to play go play those because that one's done now you know and it's 
I don't know. I'm okay with it. Uh, I know there's a lot of people that are upset because they had already taken some time off. I was lucky enough not to do that. Um, it'll be interesting to see the the timeline that comes out. They are promising that it will be later this year. But the big thing for World of Warcraft is it's not necessarily the launch date for them. But usually you have launch date, then you have a couple weeks before Heroics open up, and then you got another week before Mythic opens up, and everybody tunes into the Mythic world first. So now they're going to have to pick a time where if it's early in November, now is the Mythic world first going over Thanksgiving? You know, Is it early in December? And then the Mythic world first is going over Christmas. Is the player base going to be up during that time, or is it going to be down because people you know, are visiting family, or maybe this year because they can't travel or shouldn't travel? Uh, you know, that, that may not be an issue for them, but usually they try and avoid holidays and that kind of stuff because they want people, you know, around tuning in playing. So I don't know. It's the right call for the game. And I know a lot of people are upset. I know a lot of people are happy, but that's kind of the way of the world is. You can't make a choice without pissing off half the people. But I felt like this was the right one. I, w I would agree with you. I think this is absolutely the right choice. And we saw this with Cyberpunk. We saw, you know, delay after delay after delay. And again, I would rather than put out a game that was correct than buy the game and have to have it patched a million times and make it so where it's just frustrating to play. Because ultimately, when things like that happen, I find personally, I end up putting the game away and not coming back yep. to it. So I'm okay with this. Um, I did, you know, you're talking about um, timing and you know mythic first and, and such i do think uh, this is the year if they're gonna if they're gonna delay it this is the year to do it because i do think we're gonna see travel down a lot of people are just gonna choose to stay home uh and so putting this out during this time period over the holidays may be a good thing for people all right so i do want to jump to i just saw this uh, after i sent nolan the show notes which is frustrating for me but that's okay and i and i will talk about the topic of the day here in just a second guys uh, i just wanted to talk about this because as we have mentioned multiple times nolan and i are huge tolkien fans and one of my favorite things to do and i know nolan does it too is we like to go to weta studios website and take a look at the different stuff that they have for the movies because well weta is amazing and I saw today from the Nerdist uh, that there is a new Gandalf the White statue coming out. And oh my gosh, <laughs> it is everything you expect from Weta. This thing is amazing. And Nolan, I'm going to shoot you an email so you can take a look at this because, wow, just the detail on this is phenomenal. Like to the the grain or the the thread of his of his white robes you can see everything it's like you're looking at the stitching for everything and even the the inlays of his armor wow it is amazing and they're also it looks like they're doing one for um the witch king as well and guys you got to see this and i'll make sure to include a sh link to the show notes so you guys can take a look at this it looks like they're going to carry a pre-order cost of 119 dollars with a 15 percent non-refundable deposit uh, estimated delivery is january 2021 um and it looks like the witch king of angmar was already done uh it, so <laughs> he had so it says you can recreate the clash at minas tirith as seen in the extended edition of the return of the king so Take a look at this, uh, Nolan. Like I said, I'm gonna shoot you the link right now so you can see it. It's it is wow. They do. They've got a Gandalf the Gray Pilgrim and a Ringwraith of Mordor that are 350 bucks. <laughs> yeah, you know that's that would be an area where I could get in trouble if I didn't have children. 
I mean, I've got a whole wall I'd be happy to oh, fill up yeah. with that kind of stuff. Well, and I'm going to be moving into my little new, quote, studio, so... There you go. <laughs> might need some new decorations. I, uh, yeah, same boat. I like everything that they do. Usually it's highest quality, and most of the time I can't afford everything. It I really want, is. So. I just... <laughs> exactly. I just shot you the link, and I'd love to have you pop that open and take a look so I can get your reaction here. Yeah, no, I've got it. I got it. It's it's really good. I mean, that's just the thing is it's really good. It's so good. And guys, I will include this in the show notes so you can see it because holy cow, is it? it, it wow. Yeah, the Witch King is awesome as well. <laughs> what yeah. is amazing. Yeah, I mean, and I know it's hard to do flames and, and even like to like on Gandalf's staff, they have that magical swirl there. Uh, and I get it. It's hard to do that stuff to make it look realistic because, well, it's not realistic. But yeah, they do a hell of a job. So anyway, I wanted to mention that, like I said, I saw that just before Nolan and I went live and I thought that is so apropos to what we talk about. So why not include it? Perfect. All right. So our topic of the week is on our favorite cleric spells, so to speak. And I imagine we can mix Paladin in this as well. Um, the idea being these are spells that are gifted to you from the divine, not just spells that you learn. Isn't that right? Yeah. Man? And I think we were kind of talking about it, like what's our, our favorite divine spell. Maybe next week doing our favorite arcane, bring in some nature. Um, but I think that's a, I don't know if that's a relic of the past at this point. So holy spells, cleric spells, now divine sorcerer. Right. Who <laughs> knows? But that was kind of the idea. Yep. So we will get to that uh, in just a little bit. Of course, we do want to cover the news. And we're going to start out with, and again, I didn't include this in the show notes. What the hell is wrong with me today? A little bit of 307 RPG news in that, you know, after talking quite a bit about what the future of this show looks like, uh, Nolan and I have decided that we are going to start producing this show on multiple platforms. So get ready come the first of the year to start seeing some stuff on Twitch, start seeing some stuff on YouTube, uh, start finding it in more places than just the podcast streams that we usually do. Uh, so we're looking forward to getting this show out there for more listeners slash viewers slash, you know, streamers, whatever uh, on the Twitch, it'll be a live record or us talking live on the show, uh, doing the show. And it'll give you guys a chance, whoever listens or, or if you, if you want to, to join us on Twitch and ask us some questions as we're doing the show. And we even talked about possibly after we finish the show, shutting it off and just answering questions, hang out, chatting. Nolan might pop in some game that he's playing. Um, Cause he's got a hell of a computer to do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to mention that and let you guys know that that is coming. So if you wanted to actually see our ugly faces, I don't know why you would. Uh, there is an opportunity for you to do that. It does mean, however, because typically record this, we record this early in the morning that we're going to have to make ourselves presentable, Nolan. I mean, technically we should, but we don't have to. Oh, this is true. <laughs> All right, so let's jump over to Dungeons and Dragons news. Not a whole lot new from Wizards of the Coast for D&D product-wise. Nolan, did you see anything I'm missing? I did not. Okay, but I did see that there is a new Sage advice at Arata. Did you happen to take a look at that? I didn't this time around. Uh, I saw I was out, but I had not looked. Okay, so this Arata is 
pretty much for all the D&D books. And you can download each errata for each book separately uh, by the at the link that I have included in the show notes. It looks like this is just lining things up with Wizards' statement on diversity and presentation of the races. I know there are specifically changes to orcs and kobolds. Uh, there are also changes to some of the classes. Uh, so if you want to stay current on the most recent rules, I suggest you take a look at these. Uh, again, you can find those changes at the link that I've included in the show notes. And then allow you to, like I said, play and the most current rules and a lot of this i think is because i know a lot of these changes were supposed to be made with curse of strahd's new the revamped version so i think that's coinciding with that but that's all i saw for DD. so let's stroll over the onyx path uh, of course the scion demigod kickstarter has wrapped up with 2355 backers pledging almost $150,000 for the production of this book. That seems like a hell of a Kickstarter. Yeah. You know, and of course I talked to Neil about Scion. It sounds like a fascinating game. Uh, so I hope, you know, if you guys are into Scion, I hope you're able to jump in on that Kickstarter. Next up for Onyx Path, they have announced World of Darkness Ghost Hunter. We talked a little bit about this last week. This is an X20 book not tied to any specific game line, but is, of course, set in the 20th anniversary setting. Uh, this isn't the first time. <coughs> excuse me. Uh, this isn't the first time that there have been a supplement uh, that that a supplement was created that isn't specifically tied to a game line. I specifically remember back when uh, White Wolf was doing all the stuff for the World of Darkness. It was like you would get Mummy World of Darkness or Gypsy World of Darkness or uh, other blank World of Darkness. So it was just ways for you to add more depth to your gaming world. Um, I have reached out to Onyx Path in regards to an interview for this project. Hopefully we hear something soon and uh, maybe we can get you guys to hear about Ghost Hunter and, and, and find out whether or not it's something you want to back. It does sound like it's going to be a deluxe uh, X20 book, which again, I've said this a couple times now, those books are fantastic. I didn't see anything else for Onyx Path. It's kind of a slow news time right now, guys, so <laughs> bear with us. So let's hit Modifius real quick. Um, I recently received a survey from Modifius regarding the role-playing game Star Trek Adventures. Now, this isn't a game that we play. It's a game that I'm interested in. Uh, it looks fascinating because I just happen to love Star Trek. Uh, it seems that they're reaching out to players to gather information regarding uh, what and how the players would like to see the game progress. And I thought that was really interesting that they're reaching out to the player base because I don't know that we see that a whole lot. What do you think? It doesn't happen very often. I think a lot of them have a plan or a guideline that you have to kind of submit. Um, and I imagine with those bigger companies, you know, it's like, well, what's the plan for the next two years or whatever? Where are we going? And, and here, yeah. uh, I feel like they've got a little bit more freedom, especially when they rock so much stuff off Kickstarter and, and that. So. Yeah, so I'm, I'm really kind of interested to see what they're going to do. I did take the survey, and I was pleased by some of the questions. And it looks like, judging by these questions, that they are considering adding expansions to Star Trek Adventures that will expand the entire Star Trek genre. So if you happen to be a huge fan of, say, Enterprise, it looks like maybe they're going to be including stuff to allow you to play in that setting. And, I mean, they specifically said in the survey, you know, each individual Star Trek setting from Enterprise to the most recent Picard. Uh, so it looks like they're considering expansions for every one of those. Um, and, and again, this is just me speculating. So if they do, I think that would be incredible. 
it'd be really neat to see Star Trek Adventures expand. It's a game that I'm going to eventually play. Just not sure when. <laughs> uh, nothing new at Chaosium at this time. I did a look at Coldwell Press this morning just because I was kind of curious. I, you know, I've I've looked at Coldwell Press a few times and I don't know why I don't include, include them in this show because these guys put out a lot of content. Have you ever looked at I'm them, not. Nolan? So Cobalt Press, again, it's a company we haven't mentioned on the show before, but we really need to start following them. They create a ton. <laughs> excuse me. Wow. Uh, they create a ton of Dungeons & Dragons content, as well as for other RPGs, like uh, I think it's Midgard. But today, I want to specifically talk about their current Kickstarter project, the Scarlet Citadel, uh, which isn't, isn't that a WoW Citadel? I think that's correct. Isn't that a five man? I think that's one of the opening, like, was it the, the Sunless Citadel? Yeah, but isn't there a five man dungeon for the Scarlet Citadel? Oh, Citadel? World of Warcraft. That yeah. Be yes, that's what I meant. World of Warcraft. Uh huh. Sure. Yep. <laughs> so this project has only 12 days left before it's done, but it has blown way past its initial asking goal of 35,000 and it's cruising to 110,000. Uh, the interesting thing about this kickdart. Blah, blah, um. The interesting thing about this Kickstarter is that at the different pledge levels, you're given the option of receiving a virtual tabletop version of the game, or you can be like me and get the traditional book. Uh, by its own description, the Scarlet Citadel is a standalone adventure for your D&D 5e game and is designed for players 1st through 10th level. This is an all-dungeon adventure, so do keep that in mind because I know sometimes those all-dungeon adventures can feel oppressive. Uh, but again, it's an all-dungeon adventure that... Uh, wow, totally lost my spot. Uh, anyway, be sure to take a look at it here. Cobalt Press is, like I said, not a company we spend a lot of time looking at, but perhaps maybe it's time that we do. Uh, they put out a lot of quality content. And in fact, listeners, if you have any experience with Cobalt Press, let us know. We'd love to hear if you, you know your thoughts on any of the uh, products that they have put out. And maybe we can contact one of their writers and have them on our show. I like it. It looks good. Uh, their Kickstarter looks clean. Uh, Scarlet Citadel includes at least six levels of dungeon exploration with lavish, lavish maps plus a town base, appendices of additional monsters and characters, and a full suite of PDF and virtual tabletop options from Roll20 and Fantasy Grounds. Yeah, I love the fact that they're including that. Yeah, it looks good. It does. Um, I, I think what tr the traditional book was like $40, which... That's much cheaper than some of the other mm -hmm. ones. So that's all the news I have for right now. Nolan, do you have any updates on Tallis? I haven't got anything. I've got all the uh, old school stuff, um, all the the third edition and everything they used to build on there. But I haven't gotten any update on the new stuff yet. Okay. I was just kind of curious to see if maybe there was something new. Uh, so that is going to bring us to our topic of the week. And as always, before we dive too hard into it, Nolan, let's go grab a cup Sounds of coffee. Good. Hey folks, Patrick here with 307 RPG. While Nolan and I are off getting coffee, I thought I'd take just a quick moment to thank you all for listening and say if you want to support us, you can find us at patreon.com slash theforgeherald. If you have other ways that you'd like to support us, one of the things that you can do is leave us a review on whatever podcast app that you listen to us on. Those kind of things really help to push us up so other people can find our show. Well, it looks like we're coming back. So thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy the rest of the show.
So our topic of the week, like I said, is is our favorite divine or slash cleric paladin spells for Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition. Now, these don't uh, these don't have to be our favorite spells that we have personally used because I don't think either of us have ever played a character that's reached to the point where they're casting ninth level spells. Um, so these are could can include spells that we hope to see at some point so it's me you know maybe we've just perused the book and thought wow this high level spell looks amazing i'd love to see how this actually works so we've thought we'd include those two so we're each i think we each pick three to five i know i have three nolan why don't you lead us off okay um yeah i think when i was thinking about it i've gotten to play a cleric once i've played a paladin a couple times uh i really have a hard time playing them now because of bless being such a good spell like i, I really do feel like i kind of just turned into a bless yeah. bot um reminding people to add a d4 to their stuff my the last major campaign we played and i got to play a ranger cleric um and when you throw on sharpshooter taking a minus five plus ten by the time it was done i had an archery fighting style for the plus two i had a plus two longbow for the plus two and then i had bless so i basically negated that minus five so i got the plus ten for free and it, I think that two hit is great. Adding it to saving throws is better. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's probably the best. In my mind, it's probably the best spell in the game as far as especially your early adventure just because a miss or failed save can kill you so quickly when you're low level. Uh, but it is in, in use. Uh, it is so much better than when you just read it on paper. And it's pretty good on paper. It's just one of those things of like, well, that's not very exciting. But the, the practical use of Bless has been something that I just almost can't not cast every round. Uh, bless is, is really good, as long as your players remember. That's why I cast it on myself. <laughs> there you go. What level spell is Bless? First level. You get it right out the gate. Uh, let's see here. So Bless, and I suppose that we can do we can do as well. Is, uh, first level, Concentration, which is the only downside. Lasts a minute, takes an action. So you're almost always taking your first round off. Um, you Bless up to three creatures of your choice within range. Whenever a target makes an attack roll or a saving throw before the spell ends, the target can roll a d4 and add the number roll to the attacker's saving throw. At higher levels, when you cast a spell using a spell slot of second level or higher, you can target one additional creature for each slot level above first. That's awesome. But it is, a con it is concentration, right? Mm -hmm. So, okay, just something to keep in mind. Cool. Well, my first spell is Spirit Weapon, because I think Spirit Weapon is awesome. And when it comes to playing the Cleric, Spirit Weapon is totally my jam. This spell is cast as a bonus action, and so I like it already, and is in the School of Evocation. This is a second level spell and has a range of 60 feet. Spirit, weapons, um, spirit Weapon summons a weapon that you can move about the battlefield striking your enemies initially this spell does 1d8 plus your spell modifier and damage as you increase in level it grows with you so when you cast this spell at third level or higher the damage increases by 1d8 for every two slot levels above second level uh, 
Uh, this is a spell that I have used, uh, and it's just, it's really great. Like when you're trying to focus on helping your team, you know, do heals, drop heals here and there. It's just nice to be able to have that ability just to throw a little extra damage on whatever it is that you're fighting. Because who knows? I mean, you could roll a, a D8, hit an 8 plus your spell modifier, land, you know, especially if you have a high wisdom in this case, at land a 12. And that 12 damage could be, you know, instrumental in defeating the monster. I like uh, it, it's on my list as well. Not being concentration is huge. Uh, the fact that part of it is says when you cast the spell, you can make an attack with it. So it's not something where you as a bonus action cast it and then don't get to use it for a round. You get instant gratification for it. Um, the fact that you can place it where you want helps a lot. And I think the big thing on it as well is if you look at like two weapon fighting, when you use your bonus action, if you if you're a rogue, Usually you're doing 1d4, 1d6, and you don't get any modifier to it. Um, so in a in an awkward or in a, a much cooler way, uh, it, it's like having two weapon fighting, since it's eating up your bonus action. So, so apparently we were both thinking the it's same a great there. spell. I mean, for for just good oomph, for no concentration, bonus action, same turn. I mean, cast it early and often and enjoy it. For some reason, I thought it was a concentration spell. Nope. It's even better than you thought. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I totally like spirit weapons. And apparently, that was your number two. So I guess I, I, have to go I was guessing that you were going to pick it. And I was also guessing you would pick spirit guardians. So I, hey, you I know me. <laughs> had picked a different one. And this one here was one that I had chosen because... Uh, on on paper and i think the intended use of it is not great um but the one that i picked for my second level i guess is kind of how i was looking in order was aid so aid is a second level spell casting time is one action range is 30 feet the duration is eight hours uh, your spell bolsters your allies with toughness and resolve choose up to three creatures within range each targets hit point maximum and current hit points increase by five for the duration when you cast a spell using a third slot or higher the targets hit points increase by additional five uh, for each slot above second so when you read it on paper you waking up in the day and casting a spell and giving you know three allies or your allies you know three allies a uh, five maximum hit points which they can heal back over the course of the eight hours uh, and, and and increasing their hit points by five so that way it's you know they don't start the day down five hit points not that great actually just really terrible waste of a spell slot in my personal opinion the thing on it that's weird and awkward is because it says each target's hit point maximum and current hit points increase by five it means that it's kind of like a mini mass healing word at second level if you've got uh, up to three creatures who've been taken out by a fireball you cast this their max increases and their current increases by five they go from the brink of death to standing up and i don't think that's how they intended it i don't it, it's one of the weirdest things because it doesn't say temporary hit points it doesn't say anything like that i mean it's so maybe they did want to use that way but there are a few times where a couple people usually go down in the same round or close to each other 
most of the ways that you're able to bring them up. And I know this a lot from like the paladin side is we don't have healing word. We have to touch somebody. And sometimes that's not an option. You know, the, it's just too far to go to get to two people. You don't have enough, you know, enough action economy. Now you've got 30 foot range. So anything kind of around you, you can hit three allies and boop, you bring them back. Yeah. I looked at aid and it just, I immediately, I was just like, meh, but I didn't even think about it that way. Very cool. Well, as Nolan said, because clearly he knows me because he's watched me play to play cleric plenty of times. Uh, my number two is, is spirit guardians. Um, I, I just don't see how you can go wrong with spirit guardians. It is indeed one of my favorite spells. I love how the spell works. Spirit guardians has a 10 minute casting time and you have to keep that in mind because it's not something you're going to be like in the middle of a fight. Be like, oh, well, I'm going to cast spirit it has guardians. A, it has a duration eh, of 10 minutes. Did I read yeah. that wrong too? It's got a casting time of one action, but it lasts for 10 minutes. Ah, this is what happens when I'm reading things at 6.30 in the morning, guys. You've been reading a lot lately. All right, so I'll fix that. Uh, it is a third level spell. It does create a circle of spirits that fly around you in a protective barrier, extending out, and you better correct me if I'm wrong here, 15 feet. No, you're good. Oh, good. Uh, Spirit Guardians is in the School of Conjuration. When you cast it, you can also designate people who are going to be unaffected by the spell. All other creatures who enter the barrier or start or in their turn within it must pass a wisdom saving throw or take 3d8 radiant damage if you're good or neutral or 3d8 necrotic damage if you're evil. Uh, and that means for the caster. Uh, I have used this spell multiple times. Uh, I, I find, especially like when I put my cleric in situations, because I always played a war cleric, if I put him in situations where he was up front fighting, I wanted him to have that little extra level of protection. So spirit guardians, boom, it's up, it's going. So you'd have, I would have spirit guardians going and I would have spirit weapon going and then I'm healing and suddenly your cleric is like pretty freaking yeah, cool. You're doing a lot of stuff. <laughs> Uh, it being a concentration, the the neat thing is, is like even on a war cleric, if you're up there swinging your hammer, you're doing 1d8 damage plus your strength. This here is doing 3d8 on a wisdom saving throw, but it's concentration. One of the best things you can do is stand over the body of a fallen ally, cast this, and take the dodge action because you're most likely in play. You probably got a shield on. You're rocking a 20 AC at disadvantage most things aren't going to hit you so you don't have to worry about failing that and you can really protect some people and punish them if they want to try and go for that coup de gras it's uh it's one of those spells that even if you're not a melee cleric uh just rushing in to heal somebody or something like that having this up makes things think twice about hanging out next to you it's really good yeah, and I specifically remember a fight in which uh, you were the the DM, actually, and my cleric had spirit guardians going, had wings for some reason. I don't remember how he got the wings. Uh, had the spirit weapon going, and of course his own magical uh, mace, and was literally flying around the battlefield, just doing all, like, meeting things head-on as they were flying in. I mean, really became more of just the sit-back-and-heel cleric. It was just dominating in that fight. It was so much fun. Yeah, it's a good one. And it looks cool. Yeah, it's a good one. It does. <laughs> it looks very cool. All right. So what is your number three, my friend? Uh, one that I, I got to use on my Ranger Cleric and part of the whole reason for the combination. It is a newer spell. It also gets to go to Paladins, but it was uh, a holy weapon. Uh, and 
Yeah. And it's kind of an upgrade to the uh, Divine Favor uh, spell that uh, War Clerks get at one and Paladins get. But Holy Weapon is concentration, lasts an hour, which is nice to finally have something that doesn't last just a minute uh, for one bonus action. So you can do it and attack in the same round. Makes it good. Uh, you imbue a weapon you touch with Holy Power. Until the spell ends, the weapon emits bright light of, in a 30-foot radius and dim light for an additional 30 feet. In addition, weapon attacks made with it deal an extra 2d8 radiant damage on hit. If the weapon isn't already a magic weapon, it becomes one for the duration. As a bonus action on your turn, you can dismiss the spell and cause the weapon to emit a burst of radiance. Each creature of your choice that you can see within 30 feet of the weapon must make a constitution saving throw. On a failed save, the creature takes 48 radiant damage and is blinded for one minute. On a successful save, a creature takes half as much damage and isn't blinded. At the end of each of its turns, a blinded creature can make a constitution saving throw, ending the effect on its health in a success. So... Uh, yeah, it was kind of my capstone. Uh, my ranger was five levels and then 10 levels of cleric. It felt like a really good payoff uh, of putting in the time. And he just hit like a truck. Uh, each each arrow already doing 1d8, adding an extra 2d8 onto it was just really, really nice gravy. Uh, it was one of the ones that I saw on paper and said, wow, this looks pretty good. I, I would like to see it. And it didn't disappoint um there's a couple on the arcane side that i are kind of the same way like i really want to play with this spell but i haven't got a chance to this one was worth it it was worth the wait and even if i hadn't done the multi-class to get the extra attack adding an extra 2d8 onto a hit is you know if you're a, if you're a war cleric you're swinging for 1d8 with your warhammer and all of a sudden you had 2d8 it's like you're attacking three times um you're not getting up to that fighter level but it is giving you that staying power to be there in the mix um, and the idea that it has a contingency plan too, if you're overrun to uh, blind everything in the area. Uh, hopefully you never need to use it just because you wasted a spell slot to, to cast it and try and blind people attacking con safe. But the fact that it has two purposes uh, makes it pretty nice. Yeah, absolutely. And I seem to remember that that character in particular, when we finally got to the the main bad guy, the big boss guy, uh, you your opening salvo was over 100 damage yeah uh once it I, yeah because it's an hour i was able i mean the combat was still going we were able to get there um i was playing a war priest so it gave my ranger a bonus attack so i was getting three attacks with it um so and again i was doing the sharpshooter and all that so it was it was i think i was at plus 17 Brutal. per hit before i rolled the 3d8 extra dice so per hit so yeah it was it was pretty freaking brutal that's, yeah, that's it was like 98 sure. plus 54 or something weird and and i think right. i got a crit in there at one point and so it was a fun combo it's uh, it's a cool weapon mm -hmm. i would like to see it on a paladin um just because by the time they get it since it's a uh it, it would be one of their final spells they actually get uh so you're talking you know at that point they've got all the other stuff throw it on a smite or something like that and you could end up with some big crits on a paladin as well absolutely so my last spell is a spell that i've never used uh i like the idea behind it so that's why i've picked it and that's astral projection again never used it never had a chance to put it to use i'd like to Astral Projection is a ninth level spell, and it's in the school of necromancy. It allows you and up to eight willing, and I'm emphasizing willing here, creatures to leave your body and enter the astral plane. 
It does have a casting time of one hour, and I double check that. <laughs> so I, so Nolan's like, uh, no, it lasts one hour. No, it has a casting time of one hour. Um, so you need to make sure that if you're doing something like this, that you're in a safe place to cast it. What I like about the spell is there are endless travel possibilities, and and especially with the announcement of new D and D campaign settings coming out. Uh, if you want to, if you are playing a high level or you happen to know a very high level cleric, this could be a way for you to take your party from whatever campaign setting you're playing in and move them to a different one. Uh, and, and obviously, it's a high level creature or cleric. The way it works is, is um, once you once you arrive on a new plane, once your astral self arrives on the new plane, and you decide you want to stay. Your body and your possessions travel the quote silver cord and arrive with you on the other plane. I think that's really freaking cool. Um, the downfall to this spell is your body until at such time as it moves remains in an inanimate state on the plane from which you started. This, of course, means that your body can be attacked while your astral self is out cruising the cosmos. So make sure you are in a highly secure location. Also, another thing to keep in mind is the spell can be ended with a dispel magic. Interesting, at least I think is interesting, is that if dispel magic, say you and three other people go on a cosmo cruise and you it's like you a rogue and a, and a warrior whatever and somebody comes in and dispels magic on the rogue you and the warrior stay in the astral plane where the rogue comes back if by chance they cast it on you the caster you come back and the other two stay uh correct me if i'm wrong but i believe that's how i read that nolan looks good to me so it it could cause some interesting oh shit moments when suddenly the cleric is pulled out of the astral plane and you are, you know, the warrior and the rogue are stuck in the astral plane. Uh, the way to return to your body is, well, magic, obviously, or your astral self is reduced to zero hit points. So I think astral projection could be really cool, uh, especially with, you know, these these different, like I said, campaign settings coming out. Uh, if Dark Sun happens to be one, I don't know that I'd necessarily want to take my Faerun uh, cleric into Dark Sun because it's going to be so different. But who knows? It could be an interesting way for you to try different uh, different campaign settings and or, or just to like if you if you're home brewing your own, this could be a great way for you to pull your party out of whatever campaign setting you're using and put them somewhere else. So astral projection was my number three. I like it. I think that's the nice thing about this stuff too. You know, you look at it's a ninth level spell. If you've gotten to 17th level, you know, and you see some, well, it's got a material cost of a thousand gold piece bar per each person. It's like, what were you doing with your gold this whole time? Cause I've yet right. to find a good excuse for dumping a pile of money on anything outside of like buying houses and taverns. So yeah. So, and there's an interesting question because it says your body and possessions. So if you've built a keep, that's technically your possession. Does that go with you? I'm assuming it's on you, but it's hard to say. You know, there's a couple of spells that they've added, like, uh, let's see, what is it? Seventh level, Temple of the Gods, because you were talking about having a secure place. Um, and this one was on my one of my lists. Uh, you cause a temple to shimmer into existence on the ground you can see within range. The temple must fit in an unoccupied cube of up to 120 feet on each side. The temple remains until the spell ends. Uh, so its casting time is one hour. It lasts for 24 hours. So now we've got Liaman's tiny hut on crack because now you're building a temple. Um, 
the interesting thing is, uh, let's see where there's a weird part of this. Um, or maybe I was making it up. Anyway. Well, oh, yes, there it is. The very last line, of course. Casting the spell on the same spot every day for a year makes this temple permanent. So you've gotten oh, wow. to that point. Now you've made a temple to the gods that this can't be, uh, it can't be dispelled by dispel magic. It can't be used as against it as an anti-magic field. A disintegrate spell destroys the temple instantly. So you need another ninth level something to show up and try and take it out. Um, but by the time you've, you know, you've got your temple on the ground for a hundred years, you've created the secure place to go on your Cosmo joy trip. Yeah. Yeah, I think astral uh, projection is uh, it's probably a spell I'll never play, uh, never get to use just because we don't typically we don't have adventures that take us that high and unless we're homebrewing. Uh, but I think it looks fascinating. I think it's a great way to like maybe they happen to know a high level cleric that can help them do. This yeah, thing. I was going to say that would be a good so, plot hook. I mean, you may be casting it as the DM to send us someplace at some point. You know what I mean? Like that might that's probably right, where some of this right. stuff comes in. You find the guy that can get you somewhere. That's exactly what I was thinking. So, well, those are my three. Did you have any others? Um, the only one that I had that was on there was also a ninth level one. Um, and I'd heard about this one recently. Uh, and it's called Gate. You conjure a portal linking in an unoccupied space you can see within range to a precise location on a different plane of existence. The portal is a circular opening, which you can make 5 feet to 20 foot in diameter. You can orient the portal in any direction you choose. The portal lasts for the duration. It takes one action uh, to cast. Duration is one minute. The portal has a front and back on each plane that appears. Travel through the portal as possible. Deities and other planar rules can prevent portals created by the spell from opening in their presence or anywhere within their domains. When you cast a spell, you can speak the name of a specific creature. Uh, a title, a nickname doesn't work. You need to know the true name. If that creature is on the plane other than one that you are on, the portal opens and the name creature's immediate vicinity and draws the creature through it to the nearest unoccupied space on your side of the portal. You gain a special power over the creature and is free to act as the GM deems appropriate. It might leave, attack you, or help you. So when I was thinking about that, it's like, oh, now you can like you can track down whoever you want and, and kind of set up that fight. Like it's a it's a gateway there. Um, the thing that I had not thought about was it, it talks about the stuff like, well, if the deity doesn't want you to do it or whatever, but what if you are a cleric, a silver beard, and things have hit the fan and you just open up a, a gate like Avenger style and Silverbeard sends out a streaming forth of angelic dwarves to mop up the, you know, I mean, I'm thinking like Wakanda forever style battle on the Avengers Endgame meets Lord of the Rings, Aragon jumping off the boat, spirits wiping out the stuff before the gates of Minas Tirith. I mean, you're talking about, yeah, you can cast Wish and all kinds of stuff as an arcane dude, but now all of a sudden you open up a portal for a minute and just angels are pouring out because your God comes to your aid. That would be something to see. That would indeed. Well, those are mine. Um, do you have any others That's it for me? Well, cool. So that is our show for this week, folks. Um, next week, we are going to be looking at more nature-based spells. So we'll probably be looking specifically at druids and seeing what 
what it is we like about the spells that they can they can cast. Uh, again, we'll be picking three to five, somewhere around there, and breaking them down for you. Uh, with that being the case, if you have any questions, if you have any comments or, or any suggestions for our show, reach out to us at 307RPG on Twitter, uh, on Facebook, on Instagram, whatever. You can find us there. Uh, we're always open to suggestions. We do enjoy interacting with those of you who are listening, and we appreciate everybody who takes the time to listen to what we have to say yeah, we we really do it's fun for us to get together and try to come up with things uh getting a deep dive on stuff so if you guys have feedback comments or areas that you'd like us to uh, explore next um with news being a little bit slower and we're about a month away from some video games coming out uh, we'd be happy to have a topic of the week be something you suggest Yep. And it doesn't have to just be, you know, the games that we cover. If there's another game that you think we should be taking a look at, let us know. Uh, we're always happy to try to take a look at the game, see what, you know, what there is. Uh, we've covered tons of games already in our show. So uh, we're happy to take a look at whatever, whatever it is. So send it our way, holler at us, whatever you need to do. Uh, Nolan, that is going to be it for this show. I hope you have a great week, which means I'll talk to you tomorrow. And uh, <laughs> thanks for listening, everybody. Bye.